guys. Hang on, I'm missing something that's super important. Did it fall on the ground? No? I found it. Yeah, I've missed y'all. I had a rough month. I know I was here last Sunday, but um, I missed four weeks in a row, and I don't think I've missed four weeks in a row since we started the church in our home. But we were in Cabo for our son's wedding, and it was magical. It was beyond anything I could have even imagined at the beginning of January. So much fun. And then I had to go on a business trip with Joey to Hawaii because, you know, somebody should have to do that. It was awesome. But I got the flu on the way home, which was not so awesome. (laughs) So I spent two weeks literally in bed or on my couch because it then settled into pneumonia in my lungs, and I was, like, doing my nebulizer, and it was rough. But I remembered to call really my favorite doctor, who I should have remembered to call at the beginning instead of going to get all these steroid shots, Dr. Eamon, Kevin, and his beautiful wife, Kim, are here. Wave it, everybody. And since I went to you on Friday, I'm so great. I'm fine. He's really busy, so don't call him because I want to be able to get in. (laughs) Anyway, I'm doing so much better. I'm so glad to be here. Um, Sometimes when you have a rough month and you're feeling kind of sick and it's not like I got to spend just tons of time like just saturating in the Word like I love to do and being in this intimate place. Sorry, let me move this up here. But um, the Lord has really been doing a big shift in me and in my heart. And... I don't know if you can feel it, but there is a real rumbling of revival stirring. Like, I can just so hear it, and I so feel it, and I have had a new personal level of awakening, and the Lord is stirring up hunger in me again. And, you know, you can stir your own hunger. And for a while, you know what? Sometimes we get bogged down by responsibility, don't we? And just even with business of church and all of that, and I just found myself in such this place where I was just crying out to God to revisit us again, like we read about, like in the Great Awakening and the early church revival that we saw. And when I, um, about 25 years ago, you know, I grew up in, in a dispensationalist church and was taught that the gifts of the Spirit ceased and Holy Spirit didn't really move that way anymore and there was no healing and And I got really desperate because I had a sincere love and desire for Jesus. I really did. But my life was just completely powerless, and I was getting so frustrated, and I knew that my life did not look any different than anyone else's. And so one day I cried out to God on my bed, and I was just like, listen, I just want to put everything behind me, and I just need you to teach me. Not my mom, not my pastor, not Kay Arthur. I just need you to teach me. And that little yes to God, that opening in the spirit realm, literally scales fell off my eyes, and all of a sudden the word is just coming alive to me. And I start studying about the baptism of the Holy Spirit, which Lord knows I was taught against that. Like, we need to be a afraid of that. Like, that is kooky, and you don't need that. And I'm in my bed, and listen, I've been studying the Word since junior high, so this thing, it's like all of a sudden, I've been seen in black and white, and now I'm seen in technicolor. And this Word is just coming alive to me, and everything is leaping off of the page, and I get baptized in the Holy Spirit on my bed, in my bedroom, by myself. I've never heard anybody speak in tongues. I was told that was of the devil, don't do that, and all of a sudden, I'm praying in tongues, and my whole world shifted. And God put this huge desire in my heart for revival. I didn't even know the word revival. I mean, I didn't even know what that was, and I grabbed every book I could on the old healing revivalist. And just recently, God has started telling me to go back and revisit that. So I grabbed my God's Generals book. Who has the book God's Generals? So good. 
And so I'm starting to read, I'm reading about John G. Lake and Mariah Woodworth Etter and, and Catherine Kuhlman and Smith Wigglesworth and just these amazing things. And I'm telling you that God wants to do that again. And what I'm gonna talk to you about tonight, as soon as I say it, you might, I'm like tiptoeing up here. <laughs> I'm so excited. What I'm gonna talk to you about tonight is the new creation that you are a new creation being. And the first temptation to do sometimes when it's a subject that we already know and we've heard, we can shut our gate of faith and you won't receive what God has for you if you go, yeah, oh, I know about that. Okay, she's gonna talk about the new creation. I've got that down. Well, when we do that, that is religion that shuts down what God wants to say and what he wants to do in your life. So don't do that. So when I'm talking tonight about being a new creation being, the thing is this, the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord. It's a fact. God has said it. He's going to do it. It's his desire. It's the heart cry of the planet. He's going to pour himself out. And if we are going to see this worldwide harvest, worldwide revival that we know that he's going to do, we need to know who we are and what we have so that we can steward that. And you being a new creation means that you actually live in a multidimensional space and time. We, are, we get to live from a multidimensional dimension. And Joey and I went and saw the movie 1917. How long do I have? Because I'm new to this place, actually, since we've changed the time. So, but will y'all linger with me? 6.15? All right, 6.15. I can do that. I'm going to bend time up here as we speak. <laughs> Bending time. Um, well, last night, Joey and I saw the movie uh, 1917. It was so good and intense. That's not at all what I want to talk about. But every preview was about the occult, about spiritism, about witchcraft. Like, I have to, like, turn my eyes when I watch that stuff. And we live in an information age. People are hungry for information. They're just getting it from the wrong source. We see the psychics, and we see witchcraft, and we see mediums, and we see all of this stuff because people are hungry to hear from another realm. People are crying out. They are longing for something bigger than themselves. They know they have a, an awareness that was put there by God, that they know that they were made for another world, and religion has not satisfied that hunger. Religion did not satisfy that hunger in me. Thank God he put that in me that I was just pushing and pushing and pressing in and desperate and hunger and thirst and desperation. He longs to answer that cry for you. And so the stirring that's happening right now on the planet, there's this deep ache inside of every single one of us, of every single person on the planet. There is a deep ache that they were born for something more, that there is something more for them. C.S. Lewis has this quote, and he said, if I find in myself desires which nothing in the world can satisfy, the only logical explanation is that I was made for another world. The other world is where we belong, and that is not you know, reserved for the future. You know, all of the good verses in the Bible and all of the good stuff when I was a dispensationalist, they just reserved all of that stuff for when we die. <laughs> and when you're dying, and when one day you're in heaven, then all of that stuff. But the truth is that we were made to live in another world, and we do that now. We live from another world now, not just when we die, not one day when you get to heaven. John G. Lake, in a sermon um, in December of 24, and he's probably one of my favorite healing revivalists. I really highly recommend that you read about these guys um, if you haven't. But John G. Lake said, the hunger of a man's soul must be satisfied. 
It must be satisfied. It is a law of God. That law of God is in the depths of the spirit. God will answer the heart that cries. God will answer the soul that asks. He longs to satisfy your hunger, and my hunger has been stored, and I am asking for more. The way that we get um, more hunger is we eat more. It's the exact opposite, but in the kingdom, when I feast on him, when I'm feasting on his word, when I'm in prayer and worship and intimacy, and from that intimate place, hunger and thirst is stirred. And God wants to, it's like we're at a tipping point. I think Paula prayed it in pre-service prayer. Man, pre-service prayer is on fire tonight. <laughs> like I could barely stand. But the prayers of the saints forever were just at this tipping point where he's going to answer his own desire. The Father's own desire. He's going to answer his own heart's cry. So I am going to talk to you about it being a new creation. And um, if you'll turn to 2 Corinthians 5.17, I'm going to read it in the ESV first. And Jeff, I think, has some slides for me tonight. I've got super fancy, and I've given y'all. Do y'all have your Bibles with you? Because you're going to need them tonight. I want, huh? Second Corinthians 5.70. Oh, see, I didn't need to turn to it. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the old has passed away, and the new has come. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away, and the new has come. I'm going to read it for you in the mirror translation. It's going to sound a little bit different. The mirror ones, because I can't find anything in the mirror. It's hard. And I'm eating up 30 seconds of my time. He's been, okay, thank you. Yes, 2 Corinthians 5.17. Now, in the light of your co-inclusion in his death and resurrection, whoever you thought you were before, in Christ, you are a brand new person. The old ways of seeing yourself and everyone else are over. Acquaint yourself with the new. It's not, he goes, Jesus did not reveal a potential you. He revealed the truth about you so that you may know the truth about yourself and be free indeed. That word new creation in the Greek is kainos, K-A-I-N-O-S, that new, and it's not just like a replacement new. Like, I have my iPhone, and next year I qualify for an upgrade, so I go get to get an upgraded view of the iPhone. You're not an upgraded version of your old self. Christ destroyed the old man, our old nature, sin and shame and death, and when Christ went into the grave, he left your old nature, your old man, your old self down in the grave there, and it stayed there. And when Christ raised up in newness of life and resurrection life, you raised up with him and you have resurrection life, resurrection power on the inside of you. The same spirit that raised Christ Jesus from the dead lives inside of you and that should change things. So your new creation is brand new. And that word means a new kind, unprecedented, novel, uncommon, unheard of. Without previous instance, never before known or experienced, unexampled, unparalleled. It's actually a species beyond human with a limitless capacity to grow. You are beyond human. Remember Paul would rebuke somebody and he said, quit being mere mortals, <laughs> which is such a funny thing to say, but they're acting like mere, mere men or mere mortals when they're not because we have the resurrection power of Christ. We are a brand new, never seen before kind of species, the God-man kind, right? 
First Peter 1.23, do we have that one? First Peter 1.23 says, you have been born again, not of perishable seed, and that literally means sperma, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and abiding word of God. So that means you have God's sperma, you have God's divine DNA regenerating you, living inside of you. His seed is living inside of you. It is reorienting you, it is changing you, it is immortal seed, it cannot die. God's seed in you is what makes you hungry and thirsty for him. It's the, the, the cry for, that's in every single heart, that's his seed in you. And he created us with a passion to be intimate with him. And if we don't have that, it's usually because I have allowed other things to come into my life that kind of tamp that thing down. Colossians 3, 10 and 11, I'm going to read it to you in the mirror because I don't think we have it in the ESV, but, oh, it is? Oh, there you go. But I'm going to read it in the mirror. Um, Colossians 3.10, we stand fully identified in the new creation, renewed in knowledge according to the pattern of the exact image of our creator. Oh, I'm supposed to keep reading. The revelation of Christ in us gives identity to the individual beyond anything anyone could ever be as a Greek or a Jew, American or African, foreigner or famous, male or female, king or pawn. From now on, everyone is defined by Christ. Everyone is represented in Christ. In seeing him not just recorded in history, but revealed in us, we discover the face of our birth as in a mirror. When I behold Christ, when I stand fully identified that he defines my life now, and I look at him in the mirror, I am discovering who I am. And when I know who I am, then I actually, and I know the inheritance that I have been given, and I know what he's called me to do on this planet, I can step into those things and steward what he's pouring out. So we don't look at each other even as mere humans anymore. I actually have to see through the eyes of the Spirit and see you who God created you to be. You're not a mere human. We cannot afford to look through those old lenses anymore. So I love this verse in 1 Peter. Do we have the verse in 1 Peter? Um, do you know that, hmm? Oh, 1 Peter 10? I'm putting Jeff to work tonight. I love this verse so much because actually this beyond human race that you and I are, this grace that, that we stepped into in the new birth, it says concerning this salvation, the prophets who prophesied about the grace that was to be yours searched and inquired carefully, inquiring what person or time the spirit of Christ in them was indicating when he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the subsequent glories. It was revealed to them that they were serving not themselves but you and the things that have now been announced to you through those who preach the good news to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, things into which angels long to look. That angels, that long to look, it literally means to stoop and bend forward and look towards. So that is this picture of when the prophets of the old were prophesying about this grace, this dispensation of grace and this person, Jesus, who was going to come and set men free and, and, 
and turn them into a brand new species of beings that the prophets were longing to know who those people were and what time this was, and that even angels were literally peering out of heaven looking to see this new God-man race. Is that not incredible? And we have an incredible inheritance. If we, if we came a little earlier in 1 Peter, in verse 3 through 5, it says that you have been born again to a living hope. I can't say the whole thing by myself. Oh, yeah. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed again. I used to think, well, that inheritance that I'll get it one day when I'm in heaven, but that inheritance, that's, it's immortal, it's imperishable, it's not going to fade. It's going to let live on. It's reserved and kept in heaven for you, not out there somewhere, but right now seated in heaven because you are seated in heavenly places with Christ Jesus. So right now you have access to your full inheritance. And we need to learn how to begin to access that. We need to learn what has God given us, just even in me and my being, my body, to be able to access those places that have been kept in heaven for me. In heavenly places is actually the unshakable kingdom. And Hebrews 12, 22 says, in, in the verses before it, it says, you know, you've not come to a mountain that can be touched and that's blazing with fire and that voice that shook, you know, that was Mount Sinai. It says you haven't come to that mountain. It says, but, and this is where you guys live. This is where I live. But you have come to Mount Zion and to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to innumerable angels in festal gathering and the assembly of the firstborn. That's where we live from. And that is describing heavenly places, and heavenly places is a dimension that we live from. And the truth is this, God has set eternity in all man's heart, that you were born to live in an eternal place. And I love this quote from Erwin McManus, and I think it's in the book, The Way of the Warrior. He says, though you are part of creation and were part of creation and were created to be connected to all things, you are most profoundly connected not to time, not to space, but to eternity. This is what makes humanity different from every other creation in the created order. Even while you are bound in time and space, you cannot be contained by it because you belong to eternity. You are eternal. You are an eternal being. Your, your spirit man, it knows. Your spirit man has been made perfect. And that place in you, the eternal part of you, the eternal you that God made, gets to access all realms in these heavenly places that I just read you. It means limitless capacity, supply, provision, divine DNA, just like Jesus. It means that because you live from another dimension that's beyond space and time, you can go back and forth. You're not bound by time or space, and why is that? Now, that sounds weird, and you're going, well, I'm here right now, and I'm always here. <laughs> I've really never gone anywhere else, and I haven't disappeared. And I'm not, I'm not even talking about that you're in Christ and out of Christ, because we know that's impossible. There is no separation, right? 
You're, he is in you. You can never separate. He doesn't separate. So I'm not talking about that either. There's an interesting scripture in John. I don't have time to read it. But in John 10, it's actually the verse that I used before I prayed the prayer when I got baptized in the Holy Spirit. Is I said, I see that you came to give me abundant life. And I don't see that my life looks very abundant. You came to give overcoming, victorious, abundant life. The verse right before it is an interesting one. And it says, Jesus says to them, I am the door. And if anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. I think that's interesting in light of it because what I'm saying is that because I'm an eternal being, because I am seated in heavenly places, I actually get to access heavenly realms and dimensions, hearing what God is saying and looking to see what he is doing and by prayer release and birth that in the earth so that I am not bound by time and space in this realm, I actually get to live from a multidimensional place. Does that make sense? Are y'all with me? You're with me, right? Okay. Have you seen The Matrix? So I watched it the other day because I mentioned it last week in Bible study and I thought I probably should go watch that again to see. That is crazy revelation in that movie. There's a lot of crazy stuff. I mean, even Neo, that means new. <laughs> like he's the new, it was just, anyway, bizarre. But if you remember in the Matrix, he had the choice to take the red pill or the blue, the red pill or the blue pill. And, and he chose the red pill. And if you remember the Matrix, it was that they were all plugged into this system of control that they had been enslaved to. And they just lived their lives according to this system. Well, when he swallowed the red pill, Neo was able to unplug from that system of control, and he actually got to go in and out of different dimensions, right? And he had downloads, literally he could have downloads into him so that he can op occupy a different place. And remember how they would like have to get out of the matrix by going into the portal, which was, I think was a phone, <laughs> which is funny. So, but I like the picture of the matrix, and this is why. It's because the visible world, it's just one layer of reality. And beyond this seen layer is the hidden real world that governs and shapes everything. That world is more real than this world. We are such, I don't know what the word is, can't remember. We're such concrete, like this I can see. I can touch it, I can see it, this is real. And God is saying, no, what's behind it is actually more real. And it requires faith to see it. It's all in the heavenly realms. You are entangled in heaven. A part of you is always in heaven. We live from that place. We live from a multi-dimensional realm. Jeff had an encounter, how many years ago? 10? 10 years ago. It really wrecked me when he shared it with me. I'm not gonna say the whole thing, and really it was a life-changing encounter for him, and he shared it in here before. The part that really wrecked me is he talked about, well, he had all this, it was ongoing. It went on for, I think, like a month or so. But at this one point, God was talking to him, and he was, God was talking to him about who he is and, and who the Father is, and he was discovering who he is, and he was seeing more and more of God. And at one point, God said, you know, you see me in three dimensions. God said this to Jeff. You see me in three dimensions, and this is actually who, how I am or who I am. And he fanned this book and all these pages, and God was saying, I'm actually a multidimensional God. I have all these dimensions that are fathomless. There's so much more than we know. There's so much more of God to discover his nature, his character. It's why when I'm hungry, it's I want to know him. And he wants to bring us into a place of even deeper knowing of ourselves. Your life is hidden with Christ and God. Um, 
Jesus, turn to John 3. This is where we're going to do some scriptures, and I, I want you to see these things, okay? Um, in John 3, not to read the whole thing, but there's a ruler of the Jews who came to Jesus, Nicodemus, and he was asking him some questions. How can a man be born again? And Jesus tells him, and you can't see, so you don't have entrance into the kingdom of God unless you're born again. He goes on to talk to him about some other things. And it, down in verse 12, he says, if I have told you earthly things and you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you heavenly things? He says, no one has ascended into heaven except him who descended from heaven, the son of man. The Amplified says, no one has ever gone up to heaven but there is one who has come down from heaven, the Son of Man himself, who is, dwells, has his home in heaven. I bet Nicodemus and the disciples were kind of freaked out because Jesus was saying, this is before the cross. Jesus is saying there is one who descended from heaven and who ascended in heaven, and that this is he, you are looking at him right now, who is in heaven. But yet they saw Jesus in bodily form because Jesus can be in both places, because he lives in a multidimensional place, because he is a, a, a spiritual being, and so are you. He was saying that he's dwelling in heaven. He was actually giving Nicodemus a higher ascended way of thinking. What did Jesus say all the time? I mean, he told the disciples and he would say, I only do what I see the Father doing in heaven. I only say what I hear the Father saying in heaven. How is Jesus hearing and seeing the Father when he's right here? Because he was seated in heavenly places with his Father, right? He was seeing it and hearing it in heaven, and this is what we need to learn. Jesus knew how to turn in or tune into the unseen realm and be taught by his Father the entire time he was walking planet Earth that you and I get to be discipled by, tuned into, that I'm trying to become more aware and more sensitive to tune and engage my spirit man. Tune in. I'm sitting here with you, but I am tuning in. What is he doing right now? What is he saying right now to this group of people? What is he doing over your life? That's how we go on our debt, even at the grocery store. I can be engaging the Father. I am sitting with somebody who's obviously in distress in the grocery store line, and I am engaging quietly, not like a, to look like a crazy person mumbling under my breath. I am engaging, Father, what are you saying right now about this person? What is your heart for this person? What are you doing? In, verse, um, in John 17, you don't have to turn there. It's the prayer that pr Jesus prays before he goes to his father, before the crucifixion. And I found this so interesting. At the very beginning, it says, Jesus lifted up his eyes to heaven, and he prayed, Father, my hour has now come. I discovered, do you know that that word lifted up his eyes literally means was raised up on high where his father dwells? So instead of Jesus lifted up his eyes, it is Jesus was raised up on high to where his father dwells. Do you know that that occurs 82 times in the Bible that lifted up his eyes? It's one of the first things I started noticing when Holy Spirit started teaching me. I saw how many times someone lifted up their eyes and they saw Lot lifted up his eyes and he saw the land of Jordan that was his inheritance. Joshua lifted up his eyes when he went to Jericho and he saw this angel standing in front of him. 
Abraham lifted up his eyes and he saw the ram caught in the thicket. What was happening? They lifted up their eyes and they tuned into the spiritual realm and God then revealed the answer. It's where mystery is solved. It's where your answers to prayer come. He's calling us to lift up your eyes beyond this natural realm, beyond what you can taste, touch, and see, beyond the way that you feel, all of the distractions. Kelly, lift up your eyes so that you can see what I'm providing for you. Look it up. Go do a search, and it's lift up, lifted up his eyes. It's so powerful. So they were adjusting their vision from this temporal realm to the unseen realm to what God wanted them to see, to what he had for them. That's how you access inheritance. Jesus knew how to shift dimensions and ascend, and we do that when we pray. When I'm praying, I'm hearing from heaven, and I'm releasing it here on the earth. I believe that you can do that. I mean, he can give you a vision. He can give you a dream. There's people that have had trances. There's all kinds of ways that you can access what's actually happening in the throne room. Remember when Paul says, when he's talking, he's like, I don't want to go on boasting, but I guess I will. And he says, he says, you know, there was this man who went into the throne room of God. He went into heaven. He went to the throne room. And whether he was in the body or out of the body, I do not know. But then he goes on to share this great revelation that Paul's like, I don't know if I actually left, but I felt, and I've had that when I, that was the thing. And this is what stirred my hunger lately is when I first got filled with the spirit, I immediately started having just crazy, just visions and dreams, like powerful encounters. I would spend, and I'm not exaggerating, eight hours a day because I was so in love with Jesus. I would spend eight hours a day and I had like open visions, crazy visions of what he wants to do on the planet. I mean, just really, really wild encounters with God that I don't really want to get into tonight. Um, and they went on for about nine months to a year, but I didn't know anyone else really having those experiences. I didn't know who I could talk to, so I kind of shut that down. Like, I kind of just went on and was like, well, okay, I don't really know what to do with that, but what do you, I do know what to do with that now. <laughs> like, I'm like, Lord, please, like, bring back those things. Like, I know now what you're saying. I know how to stir that and what to do with it. Whether I'm in heaven or out of heaven, it doesn't matter, but when I'm praying, it was as if I was in the throne room, and I have seen the throne room several times. And what is happening there in the full-on worship and prayer that is happening around the throne room at all times, you and I are actually engaged with that place right now. And everything that we do is worship, not just when we're up here singing, and it is awesome, and I love that. It's my favorite part. But actually, your very life is worship. What we're doing right here now is worship. What you do when you go to work is worship. That we are learning how to engage because we're living from the Spirit, man, that he is so fully connected to God at all times. I'm never separate from that place. man. Y'all good? Because I really want to show you all this stuff. Okay. Jacob's ladder. Turn to Genesis 28. I'm going for it. If you want to leave and you're going to miss out. Do you remember Jacob was going to find his wife? And when he gets to this place, Haran, Remember, he has that dream, and it says in verse 12, 28, 12, and he dreamed, and behold, there was a ladder set up on the earth, and the top of it reached to heaven, and behold, the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. He goes on to say, and he was afraid, and uh, what happens here, I don't even know, where are we, verse 
18. It says, early in the morning, joke, no, no, verse 16. Then Jacob woke from his sleep and said, surely the Lord in this, in this place, and I did not know it. And he was afraid, and he said, how awesome is this place. This is none other than the house of God, and this is the gate of heaven. Hold that there. Got that? He saw angels ascending and descending on this ladder or this stairway. I want you to now to turn to John 1. We see Jesus reference Jacob's ladder when he meets Nathaniel. Remember, he says, there's a man in whom there is no guile, and I saw you under the fig tree. Nathaniel's like, how did you know me? Just because you saw me under a fig tree. And Jesus goes on to say to him in verse 50, 51, um, he says, you will see greater things than these. And he said to him, truly, truly, I say to you, you will see heaven opened and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. Jacob in the Old Testament had seen this ladder or stairway in heaven and angels were descending and ascending on it, up and down. And he called it the gate of heaven. Jesus is now telling the disciples, you are going to see angels ascending and descending on the Son of Man. What is Jesus saying? I am that stairway. I am the gateway. I am the portal. And guess what? Now you are. Christ in you makes you the gateway, the portal between heaven and earth. And angels, even though you, some of you may be able to see them, angels are actually ascending and descending and always there to help you and minister to you. That the angelic realm is all around us waiting to do his word, obeying the voice of his word. That's what Psalm 103 says. It says, bless the Lord, O you his angels, you mighty ones who do his word, obeying the voice of his word. Angels are here. I don't have time to even go into all that, but angels are here to minister to you. They're here to protect. They're here to guard. They have all sorts of functions, and they are ready and waiting to have the word spoken out so that they can run with it. A really good friend of mine, Magda, had an, we're in a prayer group. Some of them are in here. Some of my friends are in here. We're in a prayer group, and we've been praying together for 10 years. She had an incredible encounter about, I don't know, eight, 10 years, 10 years ago. And she was invited to go to this prayer meeting here in Alamo Heights. And these women had been praying together for, I think, 20-something years. And Magda was like, yeah, I mean, okay, I guess I'll go. And she said, I kind of, honestly, she said, I kind of had a bad attitude. I was thinking, no, oh, this is going to be great. We're just going to sit around and, you know, go in a little circle and just do our little prayers. And so she said, but as soon as she got there, and she said the house was beautiful, the woman had prepared the home. There was flowers and there's candles and there's snacks. And she says, I get there. And, and she said she'd never had this happen before. She gets there and her spiritual eyes were opened. And as these women were greeting each other, like they have for 20 years, these women are hugging each other, saying hello to each other. Each woman had angels that were with her that were also greeting each other, hugging each other, saying hello to each other, because these angels have been coming to this prayer meeting for 20 years too. She said, then we do sit around in a circle, and we're in a circle, and we're all giving our prayer requests, and she said immediately this other layer was opened up to me, and there was angels standing behind all of the women in a circle, 
and there was a recorder angel. And every time a woman would pray, or some, pr- pray something, this angel would write it down and nod his head. And she said, then this other layer opened up, and there was thousands upon thousands of angels. And when that recorder angel would then nod his head, they would fly off to go do whatever was just prayed. <laughs> like, that boosted my prayer life. You know? Just because we don't see it doesn't mean it's not happening. It's all through the Bible. Angels are here, and there is an invitation open to us. Remember when John, um, the Apostle John, and it says that he was in the Spirit on the Lord's Day when he wrote the book of Revelation, when God gave him the revelation of Jesus Christ? And when he says, after this, he said, I'm in the spirit on the Lord's day. And he says, after this, I looked and behold, a door standing open in heaven. And the first voice I heard speaking to me like a trumpet said, come up here and let me show you what must take place. There is an invitation open to us. There is that wide door is still open to us. That will we lift up our eyes? Will we ascend into heaven? Will we go up there to see what must take place in these end times? What must take place to usher in the worldwide harvest of souls so that the revival can come so that we can be in the middle of it? And I am going to be in the middle of it because before I knew what revival was, I was crying out for revival. This is what he wants to do. That we as new creations, we have been invited to live from heaven to earth with angels ascending and descending, with our prayers going out and being released on the earth. Ephesians 2, did I give you Ephesians 2, 18 through 22? I did? Sweet. For through him, we both have access in one spirit to the Father. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him, you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. Here's what I want you to pay attention to. That you are fellow citizens of the household of God. That you, me, we are all being built into a dwelling place for God. That household, that dwelling place, it's way bigger than we thought. It encompasses way more than we thought. And this is what he's really been talking to me about lately, that the household of God, it's God's dwelling place, it's kingdom. The earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord. That verse, and one we're gonna read in just a second, that includes saints, which is you and me. It includes angels. It includes the cloud of witnesses. It includes the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. It includes the seven spirits of God. All of that has been made available in this unseen realm that you and I get to occupy and live from. All of that is there, willing and waiting and available to you and I to access. And they are cheering you on. It says in Hebrews 12 too, it says therefore, and what is the therefore therefore? Therefore, it's therefore, because in Hebrews 11, remember, it talks about all those people of faith and the amazing things that they did. And it says at the end of Hebrews 11 that they didn't get to step into, I'm quoting because I don't have time to look it up, they didn't get to step into the full promise because they, God reserved them, wants them to come into the perfection with you and I, that we all get to come into it together And it says in the very beginning of 12, it says, we, so therefore, 
all those great exports in the Hall of Faith people. Therefore, we are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. All of those people that have died and moved on are now a cloud of witnesses that are literally cheering you on, encouraging you. They are for you. It's, it's like, it's, it's close, it's close as like I could touch. It's right here. It's just in the unseen and visible realm. The kingdom is within you. You have all of that access, and it's all accessed by faith. As we learn to tune in and see with our eyes, we open up our hearts to that other dimension. I love, um, do y'all know who Bobby Connor is? Heidi does. He's awesome. We're going to try to get him here. But the veil, and Anne-Marie mentioned it during worship, that veil, you guys, is so thin. The veil that's just right here that's separating what, so that I don't see with my physical eyes right now the angelic realm and the cloud of witnesses. And he was ministering one time, and he was on stage, and he said, as I'm ministering on stage, I see this very thin membrane appear in front of me. And he said, Lord, what is it? And the Lord said, it is the veil between the earthly realm and the spirit realm, and it is thinner than ever. I'm telling you, the veil is thin. And he who has eyes to see will see. And he who has ears to hear will hear. And we are coming into a place of learning how to occupy that place and step in there that we might have our spiritual eyes open and actually see angels that are ministering over people. That's what I loved about some of those old stories, that they would see angels that would be ministering and doing something to someone's ear, and that's how their deaf ear was opened. That, that we get to then join in with what God is already doing that we just haven't been able to see because we haven't known how yet. I'm doing good because I'm going to end in a second with a little activation that we're going to do. Do you remember the story of Elisha? And I think it was the king of Syria. Now, it's all escaping me. It means I don't have to say it because that would take too much time, so I'm not going to say it. But do you remember that Elisha's servant, Gehazi, he was worried and nervous because there was this great, the enemy was coming against him, and it says that there was horses and chariots all around this mountain, and he was telling Elisha, hey, we need to be afraid. Like, this is not good. We're going to get killed. And Elisha already saw chariots and fire and horses that were on their side all around the mountain, but Gehazi couldn't see it. And so it said, Elisha, it said, do not be afraid, Gehazi, do not be afraid, for there are more, for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And then it says, Elisha prayed, O Lord, open his eyes that he may see. So the Lord opened his eyes and Gehazi saw the mountain full of horses and chariots of fire, angels, all around. That is the same with us. When we become aware, we can shift our consciousness. I shift my, shift my awareness into a higher realm and ask the Lord to open up my eyes, and we're going to do that, that I might see what's actually happened, that you know what? There are actually more for us than there are with them. I feel like some people have way more faith in what the enemy is doing and what demons are doing and the harassing and the harming, because I can hear a lot of talk about, well, they're demons and this is demonic and this and this is what the enemy is doing and all of that. It's almost like we've stepped into this weird place of having more faith of what the enemy's doing than faith in the angels and what God is doing, because there's more for us with us than with them. 
Listen, the way, we're not supposed to just be doing church as usual. We actually were made to have supernatural encounters. We were actually made to experience and live in that place, to live life from another realm that brings transformation to the planet. We need to know how to hear. I need to know how to see from that realm. We step through the veil. Listen, the veil was torn from top to bottom and we got to enter into that place and we are stepping in because of more wisdom, more knowledge, more understanding, more insight, more discernment of what God wants us to do. And do I have Hebrews 14? Yeah, Hebrews 5, Hebrews 5, 14. We get to actually practice this stuff. In Hebrews 5.14, it says that solid food is for the mature, but for those who have their powers of discernment, which that literally means senses. Your translation probably says senses. Those who have their senses trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. That I actually get to have, God has given me a body and I have senses that get to be tuned into that frequency and that realm. That word trained is actually gymnazo. It's where we get the word gym. That I actually get to, by practice, by rigorous, ex- it actually means, gymnazo actually means to exercise naked. But, it, but nobody wants to see that. <laughs> so it means to exercise naked, and it means to exercise vigorously. That's a bad picture. So sorry. So sorry. Honey. Don't say that. <laughs> you can do that if you want. Do it in private. Get home. <laughs> but, but so we're supposed to exercise our senses vigorously, train them, get them to be stronger, the powers of discernment and senses, so that we would be mature, so that we could distinguish and discern good from evil. Just like I said, we're not going to be playing in the little en- enemy's camp. We actually know there's more for us over here on this side. And when my senses are trained, I get to then, and, and, how, and, and one of the things, too, is I have learned what I choose to honor, where I give my honor, where I spend time, where I give my attention to, and where my focus is, that is the thing that will grow. That's the place that manifests in your lives. I know you get what you preach. You get what you talk. The fruit of a man's mouth is, what is that, what's that verse? As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. What I am focusing on, what I am dwelling on, what my mind meditates on, what I am seeing, those are the things I get. So when I am desiring to have my senses trained, to be trained up in the things of the Spirit, then I'm going to begin to focus on those places. And that's what's going to manifest in your life. If I want to be more aware of the angelic realm, then I need to be paying attention. I need to get in the word and see what are they here for? What are they doing? They are created beings that are here to assist and help and minister to and deliver. So I, I would like to um, pray. Would y'all like to have your senses activated and step into this place? So stand up. I am not talking about being weird Christians. You know, I'm not. 
I'm not talking about being whirly bird and just flitting around and using weird language and Christianese language and looking kooky to the world because guess what? The world can't receive that. They can't hear that. I cannot go into someone's business and be some crazy charismatic lady, you know, wanting to give them a word. I can go into their business and give them a word by being naturally supernatural and saying, gosh, this is what I feel like God is saying right now about your business. So can we just be normal? And and, and everything I'm talking about, (laughs) sort of normal. And everything I'm talking about tonight, it's in the Word. And that's why this is such a foundational thing. This being a new creation, a kinos people, a brand new created species being, I need to know that about myself. And when I know that this is who God has actually designed and made me to be, and it's all through His Word, I can attach faith to that. And I want that. So, we're going to activate our senses, and some of you, I believe, are actually going to have your eyes opened to the spiritual world and see things that you have never seen before. You're actually going to peer into, and I just, I wanted to say this really quickly. I know that the last time I preached was in December. I shared with you the encounter I had with the angel out in Vacaville. Do y'all remember that? And it was, it was crazy. It was the most powerful encounter. It was unbelievable. But I want you to know this, and I don't think I said it that night, and I want to. The point is not angels. We never worship angels. We worship God. Over and over, when people in the Bible fell at an angel's feet, they said, don't do that. I am a fellow servant with you. Worship God. Any encounter you have that doesn't make you closer to God and doesn't exalt Jesus is a questionable encounter. So when I had that encounter with the angel and I came into this place of total knowing, like I was so deeply aware with every fiber of my being how known by God I was, how seen, how held, how kept by God I was. I was experiencing it with all of my senses. I cannot explain it, but I was experiencing it with all of my senses. And the angel was only facilitating that encounter that I was having with God. Do you see what I'm saying? It wasn't about the angel. The angel was letting me, it was communicating to me how God saw me, how God knew me. He'd always seen me. He'd always known me. He'd never separated himself from me. So just wanted to say that so that we can be good, powerful, strong, normal Christians. So what are our senses? So tonight we're going to have activated. We have seeing, hearing, feeling, perceiving. You know that you know because you have this thing inside of you called your knower. Feeling. Uh, smell and touch. So we're going to ask the Lord that our eyes would be open and flooded with light that we can see in the unseen realm. We're going to ask the Lord that our ears would be open, that we might hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches, that our heart will be sensitive and responsive to what He's doing. And that our internal awareness would be turned up and tuned in. And that we actually might smell his fragrance or anything else that he wants to speak to you through your sense of smell. That our hands will be empowered and anointed to heal and deliver, to carry power, to carry fire, to release heaven. That just one touch from your hands, just one touch from Jesus brings healing and deliverance. And that we will know that, that we'll believe it, and we'll begin to occupy that place. And so just put your hands out. <clears throat> and we do this by, we just say, Lord, I submit my senses to you. 
I submit my eyes, I submit my ears, I, I submit my heart that feels and knows, I submit my nose, I, su I submit my hands. Okay, just, I just want you to stay in that place, let me pray. So Lord, I do, I just thank you, Lord. Lord, we offer our bodies as a living sacrifice that you say is holy and acceptable to you. And Lord, we submit our members, we submit the members of our body to you to be used as instruments of righteousness. And Lord, we submit to you the senses that you have given us that enable us to be able to tune into what you are doing in the unseen realm. And I thank you, Father, that you have created us as spiritual beings, that you have seated us in heavenly places with your son, Jesus. I thank you, Lord, that we are able to bring heaven to earth by becoming more and more acquainted with how you move and how you are. So, Lord, right now I ask that you would flood our eyes with light. Lord, flood our eyes with light that we might be able to see. Open up our eyes to see that there are actually more with us than are against us. Open our eyes, Lord, to see what you want us to see in the spirit realm. And Lord, unplug and unstop our ears that we might be able to hear. I just want to take a... I hope this doesn't sound weird to you. I just want to take authority over a deaf and dumb spirit in Jesus' name, and I command any place of deafness and dumbness to be broken off in Jesus' name, and I declare over you that if you have been one of those people that says, I don't hear from God, I don't hear God, that is broken off of you right now in Jesus' name, and I declare over you that you do hear God, that you are his sheep, that he says that you were made to know his voice, so you do, so take a step forward, and if you have to do it as a prophetic act, take a step forward forward and say out of your mouth that I hear from God because I'm his child. And so thank you, Lord, that our ears are open. I thank you, Lord, that we would be attuned to any even smell, Lord, that we would submit our noses to you, God, that I submit my heart and my hands and my feet to you, Lord, that every faculty, every sense is yours. And I ask, Lord, that right now you would begin stirring in people that they might see actually what's even taking place in this room. Lord, would you please make people aware of? Let them see the angelic realm, Lord. Quicken their knower, quicken their heart and their perceiver to actually feel, experience, and know what you're doing, God. Lord, would you please mature us in this area? Lord, would you please make us just have divine wisdom and insight and understanding that we might be able to give the answer that the planet is longing for, creative solutions, solved mysteries that we could release heaven on earth. I thank you, Lord, for angels that are on assignments. I do, I just welcome the ministering spirits that are here. I welcome the angels that have been commissioned here to minister and move. We thank you, Father, for the cloud of witnesses that surrounds us, that is cheering us on like grandparents. They're just saying, good job, girl, you did it. Way to go. I thank you, God. Lord, you're so good, and we bless you, and we just invite you to come and do more. Lord, we want more. Stir up our hunger. Stir up our thirst, God. We want to see you move in such powerful ways. Lord, what I saw you doing in Brazil over the last couple of days in those stadiums, God, we want you to do it here. Lord, we want to be, see people just by the 
thousands, God, by the millions flocking to you, King Jesus, because you are worthy of all of our praise and all of honor and all glory. So we exalt you, King Jesus. We lift your name up high. We magnify you, and we welcome you to come and have your way in this place and in this city and this nation, God. And we just desire to partner with you, Lord, and we thank you that you are helping us to be strong and wise that we might go into places, Lord, where no one else has gone. And I just bless this people in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen.